Welcome back to Let's Talk About God. Once again, here we are. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I just said that. How you doing? I'm doing great. Are you? Does it, it, it feels like it's been a long time since we've been here in our uh, secret bunker. But I a, say that every time. I, I think it feels like a long time every time. It does this time. Our secret bunker here in our undisclosed location where we do our podcast. It just it just seems like it's been a while. But I keep losing count of the episode count. So then I'll like make these, I'll type up the notes on my computer and then I'll have like four episode eighties. <laughs> and then oh. I'm like, this can't be right. <laughs> you mean we've done 78 episodes? We've done more than that. I think justification by faith was actually episode 80. I think we're in the eighties now. Okay. Cause I'm looking at what you've got at the title of our page. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I got it wrong. So we've done over 80 episodes. <laughs> that is so cool. And I, and we appreciate all our listeners who oh, yeah. who uh like to get it, hear us get in here and banter and cut up and then dive deep into theology. So thank you for for hanging in here with us. Now that we're in the 80s, we're going to start playing uh like hair bands, get real big puffy hair. Listen, we just get Huey Lewis in the news and we'll be fine. <laughs> That's all we got to do. Just get Huey Lewis and, the, and we'll be fine. Little Michael Jackson, we'll be okay. The 80s. Yeah. Little Paul Abdul. Yeah, I mean, that could be worse. It's just everything else about the 80s is kind of The 80s were awesome. Best decade ever was the 80s. Ronald Reagan was president. You could go to college for cheap. It was just... All that would up. be nice. It was. It was just... We beat Russia. The, 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 the Iron Curtain came down. Economy was great. 80s were awesome. And we had big hair. (laughs) (laughs) The big hair area, so. Today, we are talking about God's attributes. But this is an introduction. So let's just go ahead and kind of like prep the listeners for where we're going. So if you've been listening to us for any time now, uh, you know, for basically the past like three years, we've just been kind of going at it. Like we will just choose like random and kind of general topics and break them down in the area of systematic theology. And uh, which is kind of funny because we didn't necessarily do it very systematically. We just kind of went for it, which I think has been really good. I think we've covered a lot of really important topics. It's helped me in my own ministry to like be able to go back and look at the notes like we've done a lot. But um, we were talking, we, we think it would be good going forward to maybe have a bit more organization and um, maybe kind of put together some themes in the things that we talk about. And then we also think that it would be good where we've been talking about a lot of broad topics to um, maybe kind of hone in on some more specific questions or specific topics, take even some of the things we've done before that was maybe just an hour episode and actually kind of break down the the individual parts of that and maybe just go a little bit deeper. So we're about to enter in whatever you like to call it, a season, a theme, whatever, on the topic of God's attributes. So if you go way back to the beginning of our podcast, we did two separate episodes on God's communicable and incommunicable attributes. So if you want like a prepper on what we're about to talk about for the next like several, several, several episodes, um, that will kind of uh, you know let you know what we're talking about. But basically, we're going to be breaking down, um, I don't want to necessarily say each individual uh, attribute, 
because there are some of them we can group together, but rather than try and do them all in one episode, we might do one or two at a time in an episode if they work. And I like this because the title of our podcast is let's talk about God. And, and we talk about things that are, that are relative to God, like his church and ministry sometimes. And, but, but ultimately we wanted people to have an understanding of God. And so I love this. I love what we're doing. I think this is great that we're going to, we're going to go deeper. Uh, I know we're going to kind of do a, a, an intro in this one, talk about some things, set the, set the table. I'm, I'm all pumped up for the next episode because we're going to talk about a topic. So I'm going to go ahead and do a teaser here that, that you probably, you probably never hear a sermon on about God. You, you probably hear little, if anything about it, but it's like one of the major attributes of God that's sort of foundational. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you tried to guess it, you'd probably have a hard time even guessing it. Okay, so if you want to try to guess it and then go to the next episode when it comes out and listen to it, um, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I think you're going to appreciate us taking you. You know, we've been a lot of times in the three, four, five foot into the pool. I think there are going to be some ways we're going to go in the nine foot into the pool. Um, But it's still going to be fun. And and I think, you know, ultimately, nobody understands God. I mean, God's God, right? But we we can comprehend some things about it. he's he's mm-hmm. given us revelation of himself. Our yeah. job is to to read that revelation and to go, to to learn and gain as much of him as we can. You know the Bible says Jesus said this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And and that word know means to know experientially. So I think the most important thing is to know God relationally and uh, as your Savior as your Lord and someone you just walk with and talk with. My favorite. One of my favorite guys in the Bible was um, Enoch. Enoch walked with God. He was not for God took him. And I just, I live my life right now. I'm at the point I just, every day I want to walk with God. Yeah. But, but if you spend time with someone, the more you spend time with them, usually the better you know them. Yeah. And so we want to help you to better know the God of the Bible and the God who is our Savior. I like it. Yeah. Well, we're excited to get going. So today, rather than diving into a specific attribute in general, what we like to do is kind of give you give you a general um just sort of understanding of God's attributes. Why are we even why is it worth studying God? Why look at his attributes? What what do we even mean by that? So let's start with our 30 second definition. I'm just gonna steal, I think I stole this from Thomas Odom. Um what are God's attributes? Attributes are qualities that belong to God's essential nature that are found wherever God is self-revealed. So attributes are qualities of God's essential nature, what he has to have or who he has to be to be God, and that they're revealed wherever God is self-revealed. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to try to add to that. I think that's... I think anything I do would be less than what you said. That's that's pretty much it. That's it. It's who God is revealed to us. Yeah. If you want to do a quick one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so today, we're going to start a discussion today and maybe over the next two or three episodes um, of what we would call maybe um, we're talking about God's divine sufficiency. And what we mean to say is that we're going to talk about the primary and the essential attributes of God that are inapplicable to creatures. Um, What that means is these are the attributes of God that we could think of logically prior to creation. Now, 
we, we don't want to say temporally because God created time and space, but um, let me give you an example. So God is uncreated. He's always existed. We can make that statement without having to think about creatures or creation or like God just is. But if we say that God is omnipresent, well, that means that God is present in all of creation. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a relational description that God is everywhere. He fills all space and time and beyond it. He is you know where every creature, every person or whatever is. So that's going to be for later discussions. We're talking about who is God before there's any creation, any human beings, any space and time, just God being all by himself. Who is that God? So I like get, it. get into some uh, some pretty deep things. But we should probably ask this question first because like we're obviously getting into the deep end of the pool and we're starting this this season of God's attributes. Why study God at all? Like, why is it even important to study God at all? Um, I'd say it's important that we define the one that we call God. Like, I think it's interesting that we all we all use that really general term God, but we need to have an agreed upon definition of what we mean when we say God. Who is the God we are actually talking about? If you ask a Jewish person, who is the God you're talking about? We'd have like a ton of similarities but then we'd have a lot of differences, um, especially with our understanding of the Trinity. If we asked a Muslim person, what God are you talking about? We'd have a lot of similarities. Um, we, we don't believe in polytheism. That would be one of them. But at the same time, we'd have a lot of differences. How do we kind of differentiate who it is that we're actually talking about? Who, what do we mean by that really basic general term, God? And I think that's important because human history has shown that we are tempted to make God in our image. You know, God made man in his image, but we want to make God in our image. Yeah. And so we have to be careful that we understand what the Bible says about God and then embrace that rather than taking the concept of God and making it convenient mm-hmm. or making it fit uh, my my lifestyle or my value systems. We don't want to craft an idol, right? Made in our own own image, right? Like <clears throat> I know a guy that was a a minister, a pastor. It's a sad story, and he cheated on his wife and had an affair with his church secretary or piano player. Why is it always the church secretary, or the piano player? I don't know. Anyway, and uh, he said, "Well, I prayed about it. I talked to God, and 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 I feel like it's okay." <laughs> so that I can divorce my wife and marry her. And so that that was a we know that that if you read the Bible that's that's not the god of the Bible, but yeah. he had created a god that he wanted us to think was the god of the Bible. Yeah. But it wasn't. To justify whatever he wanted to do. Right. So but he's using god, he's trying to make us think it's the god of the Bible, the god of the, of, of his revelation, but it's not. He's taking god's name in vain, which is like what the third well, the third of the Ten Commandments. Well, the big one is the adultery, whatever number seven or eight, six, whatever that is. But, but more than that is he's recreated God in his image. He's mm-hmm. re, he's that's what he's he said. I need a God that's that would do what I would do if I were God. I'm gonna yeah. give him, I'm I will give myself a pass. Yeah, and so that's what he's doing, and we know that that's that's not. So I think it's important that we study about God and know God so that 
we we don't have the wrong image mm-hmm. of God in our minds. I think it's important too that we study God because God wants to be known. Like yeah. that's the thing. If if there is just nothing that we can know about God, if it was just impossible, then maybe God doesn't want to reveal Himself. But God's like made it abundantly clear He wants to be known. It's like one of the first ways is through creation. Like God has explicitly made his you know eternal nature and his power as Paul says known through creation the heavens declare his glory yeah so even for non-believers that's why humanity up until recently and even the majority of humans have always been religious right atheism is like a pretty small minority in its very recent human history we've always known there is a god right there is divinity even if it resulted in polytheism because we look at creation and go oh my goodness like there there's something beyond us who's designed this. And that's why a lot of people, instead of worshiping the creator, worship the, worship the creation. What becomes the, the the messenger of the divine, we treat as the divine. Right. So we've worshiped the sun or the stars or the moon and the mountains or whatever, when they are actually God screaming at us going, look, look at me. Like, I made all of this for my glory and for your good. Like, don't be ruled over it. You're made to rule over this for me. Right. And then he's given us his word. He's actually yeah. spoken to us and it isn't casual conversation, it's revelation. And so it reveals yeah, things about himself and otherwise we would not we would know him if we knew him only through creation, that sort of primer, that's knowing yeah. knowing God 101 uh and and there's not a whole lot of detail there through the through the revelation of the word, we gain so much more. Then ultimately, the greatest revelation or expression of Himself to us was through Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, he, he, Jesus told Philip, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." Mm. So, if you want to know what God's like, just look at the life of Jesus. The Word became flesh. The, it's the Word incarnate, walking right. around the earth. Yeah, God became flesh and lived among us and showed us um, what He was like. And that's why the Gospels are so powerful, because you get to see God in action in a way that you, you, you don't get in the Old Testament. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, the important things, too, while we're just on this theme of, like, why do we know God? Because God is personal. Um, we know that from the entire Bible, from his personal revelation to Israel, um, and just talking about Jesus, like, really kind of brought that to my mind, like, God is not a force or an eminence or um, completely and totally inapproachable, but he wants to have like an actual personal relationship, like where you actually know him and he knows you, um, which is what we all want to do. We all want to have personal relationships. We're made in his image that way. Exactly. There was a word I was trying to think of. I think it's reductionism, by the way, a minute ago, is that's, that's the danger. Have you ever heard that word reductionism? And I think that's, I've never spent a lot of time with it. I've yeah, heard it. But. I think that's the danger is it's reducing God from who he is to make him what you need him or want him to be, mm-hmm. but not for good reasons. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's why we need to know him. Another reason is we're made in his image. And I guess, I mean, that's just the most natural conclusion. If you're made like someone, don't you want to know the creator? Don't you want to know the originator? Don't you want to know the one that you're actually made like? And so God makes us like himself for us to naturally be in that communion and relationship with him. We receive our life and our image, 
our purpose, everything from him. We are to, to go back to the source and and get to actually know him, not to live our lives in our own image. So it's kind of fitting that if God would make us like him, that we continually uh, receive that from him. Do you think inherently there's something, uh, let, me, let me say this correctly, as I say inherently, it's inside of us. Do you, do you think inherently there is a compulsion to seek God? Yeah. The, what is it in Ecclesiastes? He says, you know, eternity has been placed in your hearts. Yeah. I think even what you mentioned earlier about the Acts passage, uh, uh, they're, they're worshiping an unknown God. Like, they're trying to find God, and they don't want to miss out on any of the gods that by, they by think By the way, exists. you and I were having that conversation. Oh, we were? Prior, I thought we were recording. Yeah, prior to the— Oh, you were— You and I were talking about another issue, but yeah, we were talking about Paul <laughs> when he went to Mars Hill. Yeah, and he said, yeah, they were worshiping the unknown God. Yeah, so they, yeah. they wanted to cover all their bases, but— I mean, yeah, because if you think about those people, they were incredibly intellectual. They would, they would represent the philosophical— the the college elites professors university professors of today the the elitists um so they didn't do anything but like search out for something new right to learn something always new. wanting the newest thing um think enlightenment the enlightenment okay because enlightenment changed everything you talk about we've always been religious the enlightenment was the shift mm-hmm. um and they were religious they were religious he said i see that you're religious in every way, but they didn't know God, mm-hmm. and all that they knew, they had no idea who who God was. So, but going back, yeah, I wonder if there is even in the elitist, even in the philosopher, the philosopher, in the, in the person who's philosophical, even in in the person who wants to be enlightened with humanistic reasoning and rationale, still is there something inside of us that says, I, I want to reach out. And no God. I think part of this manifests today and like uh the like the pure atheism like we saw maybe like the early two thousands, I think is kind of dying and it's being traded for a general spirituality. Like there are a lot of people like my age and younger who are like they're spiritual, right? Not religious, but spiritual. So they want some kind of experience with the transcendent because they know there's something out there. Yes. But they don't really want to define it. I've heard of people using like crystals, like they get rocks and stuff, and they think they have powers to like change their life and open up opportunities. That was an eighties or nineties thing. It's back. It, it's yeah. here. It's a thing. Sage, all kinds of like, what's just out there stuff where you're like, man, if you're down for this rock to like give you a job opportunity, like. Just take the next step. There's a God who loves you. Like, right? You think this rock? Let me tell you about the Rock of Ages. That's hey, man, right. mm, come on now. But um, well, and that's why <laughs> I guess that speaks to it, right? And that's why you and I talked about. We're going on a rabbit trail. But that's why you and I talked about because everybody knows we're we're spirit filled church. We're Pentecostal, classical. You know, we're not crazy. We, we have really sound doctrine. We we couple knowledge with experience. But we've talked about it, and our church has seen this unbelievable growth of young adults. And they're coming because they like having something, like you said, a transcendent experience on Sunday morning uh, where they come in and they actually say, I I feel and experience the presence and even the power of God working Mm -hmm. within me. So you're right. I just, but I wondered about that. Um, I know you also said too, uh, I think it's important we study about God because how can you worship him 
if you don't know him. Yeah. It, the, the people who are groupies, they could tell you the name of every band member. They can tell you their bio. They can tell you stuff that no average person should know, but because they worship the band members and the band, they can tell you the history. They, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's the way people say, why do you people study the God and read the Bible? Well, it's because we we reverence him. We worship him. We can tell you everything about him. We want, And it helps my worship when I know things about him. It helps me to say, I worship you because you're all powerful, because you know everything, because you're eternal, you're unchanging, because you're self-existent and infinite and immortal and you're good and you're gracious and compassionate and you're slow to anger God and abounding in mercy. And I, you, know, mm-hmm. you could just go on and on because your worship is really what you know about it. Yeah, I agree. And I think like we even see this in the New Testament, like you could probably quote it. I'm not going to try, but way better than me. But a lot of Paul's doxologies aren't just like, God, you love us, which is true. And, and, and they're not just like, God, you're, you're great. It's like, to the only immortal infinite like he goes for the big characteristics of god he yeah. doesn't just which i'm not saying god's love or something the the things that are beyond our comprehension that we can't even relate to that we even have a foundation of you know like we can relate to some form of love but for god to be infinite or eternal or whatever right. like, he goes for the big ones and so there's something about our worship that when we can lay eyes on someone who is not just increased in capacity of something we already know, but it's something so outside the realm of our even basic human understanding that we sit in awe of that being and worship them in reverence and truth. You get one glimpse of God, you'll never have trouble worshiping. Mm-hmm. If you say, I have trouble expressing myself and worshiping and praise him, you have, just, you need to get a glimpse of God. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the, with the object of worship. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with the worshiper. So that's you. If 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 that if I'm talking about you, so so there's plenty there to express about. You just need to look at him. Mm-hmm. Just get a glimpse of him. One thing, one thing that can that uh, I heard uh, a preacher say one time that back in the day they used to say God is awful, <laughs> awful, and we use awful in a negative sense. But what they meant was he he. Is full of awe. Mm-hmm. He is. He is the kind that creates a fullness of awe in you, and that's the way we should be about God. But, but again, like you said, unless we study Him and know Him, you can't do it. But once you do, all oh, your the more you study Him, your worship just expands. Yeah. You say, well, I can't. I can't hardly like people say. Well, I pray. I don't. I don't pray that long. Well, if, if you'll if you'll start with praise and worship and study and do a you. I know for me, I probably the bulk of my time in prayer is is thanksgiving and praise and worship mm-hmm. at least half of it honestly half of my prayer time is is composed of praise and worship yeah i would say so too i i spent a lot of times like praying the psalms which is like gives me the the language the biblical language to express the 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 beauty and power of god if you're at a loss for words just like go for the psalms that's that's what they're there for bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name mm-hmm. bless the lord oh my soul forgetting all, all of his benefits and then there's five who forgives all my iniquity mm-hmm. you can praise him for that who heals all my diseases you can praise him for that 
who, who redeems my life from destruction, you, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, which I think is Old Testament verbiage for grace and mercy, mm-hmm. who satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. God, you've just been so good to me, and you've given me this new job, and you've given me this brand new baby that was born. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You can take those five things in that one psalm, and you could spend five minutes yeah. or more just praising and thanking the Lord for what he's done in your life. Yeah, Absolutely. What you said earlier, like I was in a really stupid mood one day and I'd heard like that phrase before, like great and awful. And I was just like, what's up? Oh, great and awful, Elizabeth. <laughs> and she looked at me, she's like, did you just call me awful? awful. <laughs> I was like, that's not what that means. <laughs> that was a compliment, I was like, babe. I was giving you the strangest compliment that's of right. all time, just being stupid. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. So I feel like that was actually a really good preface, um, but now, now that we've kind of moved in, let, let's move into this as we're trying to define God. Basically, how do we attempt to define God? How do we attempt to do it? Um, I think that it's really important that when we say God, like when we say we worship God, we're going to define God, we're not talking about a type of thing, right? So like when we say there's an animal over there, what we mean by animal is that's a type of thing. So there's there, all kinds there are lots of animals. of animals, lots of animals. And I know there's probably Aristotelian language that I could be using out there. Genus and uh, what's all the other ones? Species. Species and all that. Anyways, animals, a type of thing. I'm from Anderson, South Carolina. Animals, a type of thing. Okay. <laughs> now, God, though. Thang. Thang. Yeah. God, right, is not a description like animal. God is a personal name. So we're not talking about a type of a thing. We're talking about a unique someone. Even though there are gods with a lowercase g, yes, that they're still not in the same category. Not in the same because category. they're man-made, created things, no different than a, than a Ford, Chevy truck. Yes, because God man-made those. God is a person, real and unique, unlike any other being. That's what makes him? Yeah, that's why he's holy. Yeah, exactly. So we want to make sure that we're defining God as in this one unique personal being. Um, I know that we mentioned this, uh, we, we mentioned it earlier, so I'm just going to briefly say it, but like, where do we go get our revelation? Jesus, the word, creation, primarily the word, the word incarnate, and the word written down, divinely inspired. And we can also see the greatness of God from creation, but if we're going to define God, <clears throat> that's where we got to go. Right. So when we go to approach God... General, and people know there's... Some of you probably heard this. There's general revelation yeah, there spe- and then specific revelation. And we could also throw conscious in there, too. Like, if you have a conscience, you know there's a right and wrong. There's a judge of the universe. But we, we don't have to go into all that. Um, as we're going to uh, uh, try to define God, we can do it in two ways. And this has happened historically in two ways. What we can call um, an apophatic approach to theology and then a heightening approach to theology. Okay, so, define apo- apophatically. So an apophatic approach to theology is a negative approach. Okay. Um, Thomas Oden used the Latin phrase via negativa. It's as simple as this. We're just saying what God is not. That's all we're doing. We're just saying what God is not. So think about it like this. So like, I know when I preach sometimes, I'll say, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to talk about this subject. Let me tell you what it's not first. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, it's not this, it's not this. I think I did that Sunday in a sermon. So I was preaching apophatically. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Better than pathetically. <laughs> apathetically. <laughs> or, or apathetically, just you don't even care. Um, but yeah, and we use this all the time. I think it's a good example, even in human language. A lot of times it's easier to kind of whittle down your depth definition by saying what something isn't before you try to give a definition of what it is. And usually the reason you're doing that is because your answer is difficult to be precise about and there has to be a whole lot of like nuance and particularity there. When we're talking about God, we just mentioned it. We're not talking about an animal. We're not talking about a kind of thing. We're talking about a being that is 100% and completely unique. There is no one like God. And the only way we know a single thing about God is through his own self-revelation. We can't ascend the mountain by our own reason, will, or strength. So there are things that we know that he is. There are things that we know that he's not, yeah, apophatically speaking, and then there are things that we don't know about him. And may never know. And things that we may not ever know. Yeah. So as we're approaching God, we can we can kind of look, yeah, with his word and with, uh, with our reason, like, a- after his word, and, like, pretty clearly say what God isn't. So here's an example of it, and you probably use this language all the time, God's immeasurable. All we're saying is God is not measurable. He can't. He can't neg- be measured. It's negative. He can't be measured. Any kind of in inward. He's infinite. Immutable, immaterial. Yeah. Immutable. He cannot change. change. Infinite. He is not finite. Right. Immaterial. He is not material. He's yeah. spiritual. And what we're really saying is like, for God to be infinite, we know he's not finite, right? We know he's not bound. But it's pretty hard to give a positive human explanation for what we mean when we say that God is not finite. <laughs> you right. Know <laughs> to be without bounds in every single aspect of his attributes. Like it's not just he has infinite presence, but he has infinite love and infinite holiness. Like we we have a really hard time trying to say what that means. So it's easier to just say he's not finite than trying to give this positive explanation. Right. Because then you're going to act like my oldest grandson who says, Papa, I love you all the way to the moon <laughs> and back. <laughs> so now you're trying to find a measurement, see? Yeah. <laughs> and there's no measurement adequate yeah. for the love of God. It's immeasurable. Exactly. It's incomprehensible. It's unfathomable. You keep going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of has its roots in a lot of Eastern patristic theology where uh, they just don't uh, try to attempt to define God in a positive way. But a second way that we can do it, and this is very common, is through heightening. I'm not sure I can say that Latin phrase and get it right. You want to take a stab at it? Uh, eminentiae? Maybe. The via eminentiae? I don't know. Via eminentiae. Basically, it's uh, by taking approach that says, let's, let's say something that we kind of know of, we kind of have a general understanding of, and then saying that God ha- is the highest degree of that, or, or is the perfection of that. So um, one example we could use is degrees of goodness. So we could just start like this. We know of things that are not good at all. We know about that. Then we know some things that are known to be lacking in some good. Then we know some things that are generally regarded as good. Then we even know some things that are the very best that we know. And then that's where our experience cuts off. So now we take this understanding of goodness and of something that is the very best that we know, and when we look at God, we don't say he's just the very best we know. He's better than the best we know. He is beyond 
the very best that we know. So we take this common understanding of goodness and then ascribe it to God in a way that goes past our own understanding to the infinite degree, which doesn't even make sense. He's the best of what we don't know. Yeah. I'll take it one more because he's not only better, he's he's the best. Yes. It gets, it gets to the perfection of God. Yeah, uh, there is no limit. A, a matter of fact, you, you, instead of saying good, better, good, good, you just have to get the point where the last one is he's perfect. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. He's just perfect. He's yeah. perfect. But what you're doing is you're you're going with the starting point. So uh, an example you could use is um, when we talk about goodness, like, I don't know, we know love is good. And so we can look at things, we can say something has completely devoid of love, and then we can look at something that maybe is, you know, the most perfect example of love that we can think of, and then God is way beyond that. We can just pick these little things. There are things humans know are good. Um, and we can even talk about, as we're talking about God's own being, which this is really interesting, we can use this same kind of de- degree scale when we talk about how great God is and even what he is. <laughs> so think about this. Um, we can think of things uh, that that which never has been or can be. So there are things that haven't existed and they can exist. Then we can things we think of things that never have been. So they could exist, but they haven't. Then we can think of things uh, in terms of being that are lifeless inorganic matter. It's like a rock, rock, a brick. Then we can think of plant life, vegetative growth. So plants, your flowers, your tulips, okra, whatever. It is technically, in the most technical sense, alive, but it's not conscious. It can't do stuff. We can think of animal life, which is limited consciousness and movement. Then we can think of human life that has consciousness and freedom, and then that's where we stop. We humans are like the highest form of being, of life, and consciousness that we can lay our eyes on and fully understand. When we talk about God, though, he is that which most completely is and always will be. His own being is more full, is greater than our being. As a, we're going to talk about in the next, whatever, we're spoiling it. He you is are, self-existent. Yeah, you're just slamming all over my, getting all over in the... Well, yeah, we're going to get there. We're He's, really going to get into that in the next episode. He is self-existent. He exists of himself. He, he exists in such a way that is higher. He, he is in, in a way that is higher than we are. Um, his you know, consciousness and life and even at the attributes and things about his being that we'll never know of higher than we are. <laughs> right. Like that's like kind of getting out there, but that's, it's true. Whatever his participation, whatever his being is, is much greater than our ability to ever be. Exactly. We are limited in some way and he's not. The perfect being. The perfect being. He, he is in the most perfect way. Right. And, and we don't even know exactly what that means. I um, mean, you've, you've even missed one because you go from, from human life to, an, to human beings to angelic beings. Yeah, you there's can a whole say other, that. There is. There's another level, angelic beings. But then you, we even in there. Even with angelic beings, we don't know exactly about them either. Right, though. but it's still, we know there is that level. Yeah. As you go through that your is degrees. True. But then it stops there, and then there's God, yeah, who is the perfect being. But yeah, so when we talk about um, God, we can say what he is not, and then we can start with so things not that an, we know. He's not an angel. Yeah. He's not a human. God is not a man that he should lie. Mm, that's, that's good. So yeah, 
if he is a rock, he's a, he's a metaphor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're right. And so we have to take what he's not, and then we have to say, again, there's, there are different degrees of things, but he is he's always at the top of the list. Yeah. So we can, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, and we do this naturally, so when we talk about God, but this kind of helps you break it down. Right. And so, example, to give you a biblical example of this heightening, you know, defining by heightening, when Jesus talked to the rich young ruler and he said, what what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And he gave him the commandments and he said, you know, et cetera. But his initial, it was almost like he was buttering up Jesus. He said, good teacher, what mm-hmm. must I do to, and Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good, but one. Mm. So that's, that's the example of, you said, we know people that are not so good. Things are good, but he said, there's not good, but one. He's talking about the true perfect goodness. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, you, you could even think about like when the angels are surrounding God's throne and, and they cry, holy, holy, holy. They don't just call God holy, but he's thrice holy. Like it's like the Hebrew way to say, like, you are the holiest, the most holy. There is no no one else more holy than you are, and like our language can't even capture it. So here's three of them. Well, he he told the disciples, "Don't call anybody your father. Don't call anybody your teacher." Now that can almost seem contradictory because you say, "Well, I call my dad. Daddy's my father." There, there's the gift of teaching in Paul the church. Is Timothy's spiritual father, right? They're teachers, so you got to say there's got to be more to it. And I think what it's saying is, don't don't take your level and mm. finish it. And an earthly father, don't take your level and say there's a human teacher. Don't end it there. I think this comes into play. This heightening degrees of heightening is there is another father, mm-hmm. the heavenly father, who is the the greatest father. There is the teacher, the word, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you can see some of these things you're talking about. They're in the scriptures, and even I think even when Jesus says things like "I am the bread of life," and we may be getting off a little bit, but even in the reality of who he is, right? Like he is like true food, true drink <laughs> right. you know, in its highest form. It doesn't just sustain the body. He sustains all of who you are. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's really interesting. That, and that's why God uses a lot of these kind of, he condescends to us. He takes what we can know and then elevates it so that we can learn some things about him. Um, so now that we've kind of done all of that, um, I don't want to say preliminary work, but now we can get to really defining what are God's attributes. We're approaching God. We're approaching him negatively and um, through heightening. Now we're going to basically ask, okay, so when we approach God, what are we learning about? We're learning about his His attributes. So I'll, I'll read the definition I gave at the beginning. Attributes are qualities that belong to God's essential nature that are found wherever God is self-revealed. And this is important. If any of these qualities were removed or lessened, God would cease to be God. So when we say that we study God and then we understand these qualities, these attributes, these are essential to God's human nature. They are not accidents. They are part of God. We want to say part. God's not made of parts. They are God's essence. So think about a chair. What is essential to a chair? It has to have a seat. It has to have legs. It has to have a back. And you have to be able to sit in it. That is a, that is what makes a chair a chair. Not necessarily a back, but it does have to have a seat and legs. Would it not become a stool at that point? Oh, well, now we're going to get into specifics we're talking about a chair. of semantics. We're talking about yes. a chair. I'm sorry. Yes. So if you remove the back, it becomes a stool. If you remove the legs, it becomes 
maybe a cushion. I don't know. I don't even know how you would describe a what that is. A stadium seat. A stadium seat. <laughs> you know, if you remove the seat, it just becomes some kind of torture device or something. I just get myself tickled sometimes. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I think Anyways. you're right. Right. So that's what makes it what it is. But then if you think about its accidental properties, if a chair is red or blue, it doesn't matter. It's still a chair. You can change that. When we're talking about God's attributes, if you change them at all, if you lessen them or take them away, he ceases to be God. So when we talk about his his uh, his attributes, this is what he is and essential to him being God. We're talking about defining attributes, but do the attributes define God? What do you mean? You're going to have to... You're going to have to say that again. Does it take the attributes for humans to define God? To I still don't understand the question. To understand God. To, I mean, the, the if you don't have his attributes, you can't know him, you can't understand oh, yeah. him, comprehend him, you can't have a relationship with him. The attributes tell us or defined define what is God. They define his essence. Right. Absolutely. And that's why when Moses said, who should I say that is sending me when you send me to go deliver these children of Israel out of Egypt, he said, tell them that I am sent you, hmm. which is seems so abstract, but it's unbelievably, <laughs> that'll kind of get into the next episode. Yeah. He is. He is. He, he just is. is. He is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He, he, he always was, is, and will be. He, he is the present tense God. I yep. am. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not I, ISIS or, or, Whatever any of those other gods of Egypt, I'm not Baal. Uh, I, I I am, and I think you make an important point there that when we look at the scriptures, right, we're trying to figure out like who and what this God is, which we know by His attributes, which are just His essence, um, ways of you know speaking about His essence. Like we find that revealed in His names. It's like that's one of the that's the foundation. Of like who God is. Let me give you a name, and His name isn't just like you know, Jeff, like, it's not just like, whatever, like it means something. He is Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant God. Right. And this is getting, we are, we're really prepping for the next episode because now we're becoming, we're getting ontological, which is having to do with what is. Yeah. And he's giving the most foundational bottom floor of his essence, which is being itself before he talks about anything else, just before anything else is, I am. That's what Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Before right. anything was, I am. He, I exist. He is I, ontological. Yeah, exactly. He is being. Um, when we when we look at the scriptures uh, in other ways, we see um, God referred to as Elohim, which kind of speaks of his absolute power. Um, and then we see that L, right, E-L, applied to other names of God, so like El Shaddai. Well, L means God in Hebrew. Yeah, exactly. Right. So El Shaddai would be like God Almighty. So that speaks of his power and authority. El Elyon, God Most High, higher than you know every other creature, his greatness. El Olam, I don't know if I'm saying that right, the everlasting God. He always is and always will be. And there are plenty more names of God. But God gives us his names to... to describe his attributes, his qualities, so that we can know what and who he is. Um, the second thing that, that we kind of, uh, the way that we can know God's attributes, his qualities, his essence is through self-description. Um, so Exodus 34, 6 through 7, it says, the Lord passed in front of him, Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God 
slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So we know God from his names, but we know him from his own self-description. So that's him uh, telling Moses and you know Israel, this is who I am. And so how do we know who God is from his own self-description, where he tells us you know, he's gracious and compassionate, merciful, and has steadfast love and forgives sins? We know who God is in that way. Um, and then finally, we know God from his actions. And this is really, really important. Like at the foundation of uh, Israel's conception of God is not just sort of these descriptors of who he is, but of what he does. They're constantly referencing um, to God bringing them out of Egypt or constantly referencing exercises of God's almighty power or constantly referencing that God judges the sinful, but he delivers the righteous. It's this uh, God is revealed in what he actually does among his people and in creation. So God does miracles, and so we know that he is almighty. God judges sinners, so we know that he is just. God shows mercy on those who need it, so we know that he's merciful. His own names and self-description actually line up with all of his actions. And so that's why even in our own worship songs, we don't just say, God, you're like this. We oftentimes will say, God, you do this, because what he does is an accurate description of who he is. Yeah, because if he is El Shaddai, all-powerful, omni omnipotent God, then it follows that he should be able to do things that for us would be miraculous or impossible. With men, things are impossible, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. So there's a revelation of God. And so his actions do help us to better comprehend him or understand him than when he's crushing the, the the walls of, of Jericho, parting the waters of the Red Sea, making the sun stand still, turning water into wine, walking on water, and all the other miracles that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, it Because by definition, a miracle is something that only God can do. Yeah. And, and so if you have a miracle, it is a revelation of divine mm-hmm. work. It's God breaking in and breaking the laws that he set up. He's not bound by those laws. Yes. He either breaks them or bends them. Bends them, yeah. Either way, but yeah, he's not bound by those. So but but you're right. So the you know, the bottom line is you can know him. That's why we go confidently into this series. You can you can learn things about him. We'll mm-hmm. never fully understand him. He is incomprehensible. But we can know him. And and so while we are being incredibly theological, the goal is to ultimately be relational. Yeah, I think spiritual and relational with him, and um, and, and I think we've set a good foundation, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say is we also come with an air of humility. We know that there's a lot of mystery surrounding God. We know God is a just God. We can know that, but it doesn't mean we always know how it plays out, and so. Um, we know God to be able to worship him and love him and serve him. And there are times where just like Job, <laughs> you know, like we know God is just, but we don't always know how that justice plays out or what that's supposed to look like. And I think when you have a strong foundation of who God is, when you can't understand what's going on around you, 
the what that is taking place, you can hold firm and have hope because you do know who God is. He reveals who he is, but he doesn't oftentimes reveal what he's doing specifically in your life or in the world, but you can trust him regardless. Well, one thing we have not mentioned, which might be a good way to end this episode, is ultimately we live by faith. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have an element of faith. You have to have an element of faith in in, in his revelation. You have to have an element of faith in the revelation of Jesus who lived 2000 years ago that you don't see, but you have to have faith. So, and then you have to have faith once you want, you have to have faith in the revelations. Then once you get the revelation and believe God, then you have to have faith in those attributes. You have to say, I believe he has all power. He can handle this situation that I'm praying to him about. You you have to believe that he is always present. I, I feel so alone. I feel like everybody's abandoned me. But God has said he would never leave me or never forsake me. Mm-hmm. Lo, I'm with you always. So it takes a faith in these. It's not enough just to know them. It's not enough to listen to the podcast and read the Bible and go to church and hear sermons. At some point, you have to say, I trust that this is true about God. Yeah. That that it does define it. But it's not just true about God. It's true to me. Mm-hmm. It's personally applied to my it's life. It's personally, yeah. It's, it, it's something that I embrace that this is who God, it is who God is, and I need him to be that God, and I want him to be that God. I'm expecting him to be that God in my life, in this situation, as well as every day. Yeah, that's really good. Well, we hope that this episode was helpful. I hope that you're excited about the new season, the new theme, as we kind of break down more in depth the various attributes of God, and uh, just join us along for this ride. Send this to somebody who needs it, you think would be interested in it, Uh, Give us a like, rating, subscribe, all the good stuff, and we'll see you at the next episode.